Hey, Shalom, brothers and sisters. This is Amanda. Shabbat Shalom to those of you that keep the Sabbath. I pray that you're having a restful and blessed Sabbath. And I am coming on today. I have some time today. I wanted to go ahead and do the part four of the marriage bed. So I actually wasn't planning on this being a mini series, but there are some other things that I want to share that I feel would be really important and vital for those of you that are experiencing some issues in the area of intimacy within your marriage. So I just wanna share a few things before I jump into this word of what I wanna share. Um, number one, I just wanna say again, thank you so much to all of you who have been so supportive, that have been praying for the situation, that have helped and sent financial donations. Y'all have been such a blessing and I'm just beyond words at the help that I have received and just how Yahuwah continues to show um, his goodness and his love and his faithfulness through all of you. Um, and as I said before, for those of you that, you know, some of you reached out, I really wish I could help, but I'm in the same spot. I completely understand. And again, your prayers is what is the most important right now. And, you know, prayers are powerful and you know, scripture says we're two or three gathered, you know, your prayers will be heard. And so praying has just been a tremendous blessing. And to those that can help or have helped financially has been a blessing as well. So I just wanted to say thank you so much for all your support and for your support for this uh, marriage ministry as well. Um, I know that this marriage ministry was supposed to be done after the 100th episode and um, I did record other episodes. Don't know what happened to those. We still to this day don't know. I just kind of see it as a sign that it was something that Yad, I guess, didn't want me to speak about on this platform or maybe just not now. So I'm sticking to just marriage words and advice and counseling and so far that seems to be working. Those episodes before were personal things of mine that I was sharing and even though it was good advice and help, um, I guess I'll just continue to share that on a one-on-one -on -one basis, I guess. So anyways, but I just wanted to say thank you all so much. Um, you know, this, this podcast ministry has been a blessing for me and has been a tremendous way to be able to serve others and to serve Yah, and I'm just so thankful for that opportunity, um, no matter what ends up happening. So I wanted to say that, and then the next thing that I wanted to share was, unfortunately, I got um, some negative feedback with the uh, episodes that I published, The Marriage Bed, uh, Part 2 and Part 3. And, you know, I understand, and I was kind of expecting that because, as I mentioned in the first and second episode, that there are many believers that feel that talking about sex or lovemaking is inappropriate, and... I just want to share this. You know, I shared with, with the individual that expressed that to me that I understood and I respected how they felt, but that I would pray for them, um, that Yahuwah would show them that, you know, um, sex or lovemaking was created by Yah, and it's a gift to us, to those that are called to marriage. It's, it's a gift to be utilized within a marriage union. And here's the thing, this is a marriage ministry. This is a, a, a podcast about marriage and family, and sex or lovemaking is a very huge, vital part of marriage. So I feel that 
it is necessary for me to talk about these things. I don't feel that anything I said in those either of those episodes and the one I'm getting ready to share today is inappropriate because I'm speaking within the context of marriage. I'm not saying to go do these things with whoever or the person that you're dating or, you know, no, this is all in context of a marriage union. And on top of that, a marriage union ordained by Yah. You know, that's the basis of this ministry is talking about set apart marriages, marriages that are called by Yahuwah himself, not marriages that were brought together by our own will, our own choices, or man's choice, or anything like that. This is, you know, Yah's marriages, right? Marriages from him, by him, and for him. So, yes, it is a vital part to speak of, and I'm not going to avoid it. And I actually said that when I did the very first episode called The Marriage Bed back in November of last year, and I said this, that it's unfortunate because, you know, the world, society, has perverted sex, has cheated it, has caused it to become immoral um, and sinful. And yet on the other side, many churches and believers and things like that are ashamed or embarrassed to talk about it. Um, You know, even husbands and wives, you know, they don't even want to talk about with their spouse, what they're feeling or, you know, things like that. So, and that shouldn't be the case. Again, it's, it's a gift. It's, it's from our creator and I don't feel that it, it should be avoided. Um, and I don't, I don't feel that it's inappropriate to talk about it. This is a marriage ministry. And this is, you know, when couples come to me or individuals come to me for counsel, sometimes this is what we talk about. Um, and I don't see any shame in that or embarrassed. I've never been embarrassed to talk about these things because they're normal and natural. And I think that's how it should be. Um, and I always said that I didn't want my marriage to fall in the same thing where I'm, in, I'm embarrassed to open up to my husband about these things or my husband is, feels the same way with me because maybe he feels I'm being uptight or something, you know? Um, So I'm really sorry for that individual who feels that way, you know, and all I can do is pray for them that that Yahuwah would show them, you know, um, truth. And and even if you're somebody that's not married right now, it's still not anything to be ashamed about, and it's still okay to learn about it um, and talk about it so that you can prepare yourself if you're called into marriage, if you're called to be a husband or a wife. There's nothing wrong with it. So I just wanted to share that as well. And again, if anybody else feels that way, I mean, I understand you don't even need to tell me if, you know, you don't need to send me an emails, you know, unless you feel led to. But, you know, if, if you feel to unfollow this podcast or, you know, whatever that you feel, that I respect that. Um, but it, I'm not going to s- stop from talking about it because I don't feel that I'm doing anything inappropriate or disrespectful or anything like that. Sex is a part of marriage, period, and this is a marriage ministry. So I'm going to be talking about it here and there. Now, this will probably be the last I'll talk about it for a while, unless, you know, Yah leads me to touch that again on on the ministry. And of course, anybody that comes to me via email seeking counsel, and maybe that's something they need to talk about, absolutely. I'm not going to turn them away and tell them, no, I'm not going to talk about it. Um, because it's shameful because it's not (laughs) so um, I just wanted to add that for anybody else that maybe feels that way um, you know if if you decide to unfollow the podcast or you now think differently of me I respect that Um, but I'm going to continue and what I feel is right and yeah it's uh, you know and if y'all calls us to serve and we have you know a ministry or whatever we need to you know, fulfill all of those areas, you know, this is, again, a marriage ministry, 
and um, there are different areas of marriage and intimacy is one of them and it's a it's a vital one so I'm gonna continue to talk about it with that being said let's move on to today's word and this again will be the last episode this will actually be part four of the marriage bed the reason why I called these episodes the marriage bed is just based off of the scripture of Hebrews I believe it's 13 4 and again the very first episode I did was back in November of last year and then I did a couple of more just in regards to intimacy um, and then that was it that was really kind of like all of the episodes that were targeted to that topic so doing these you know it's it's just something I was praying one day and I you know it had only been 10 days <laughs> and I did miss the podcast but I was praying you know yeah if there's anything else that maybe I should talk you know further about you know please bring it to me and he brought the area of intimacy to me so yeah um, so I'm going to be reading from a book today that I actually referenced in part two. So part two was me just sharing resources um, for, you know, for those of you that maybe feel that you need to spice up things in the area of intimacy or something like that um, within your marriage. So one of the resources that I shared, because it's the only book, it's the only Christian book that I know of um, that talks just about sex um, for marriage. <laughs> Let me make that clear. Um, I don't know of any others, and I actually have this book because it was gifted to me. So here's the thing with this book. Um, even though I offered it as a resource, I don't fully agree with everything in this book. Um, I have read through it, and it's kind of one of those situations, and I actually put this in, in the description of part two. It's one of those situations, that saying that goes, you know, chew the meat, spit out the bones. So I was able to glean from this book, but there's a lot of things in here that I don't agree with. And I'm, I'm not going to go over what I don't agree with because that's going to take away from today's word. There's just no time. Um, all I can do is if you're somebody that is considering purchasing this book, for a resource for you and your spouse, you know, pray about it before you read it, pray to ask, you know, Yah to show you what pertains to, to you and your marriage and what maybe isn't alignment with, with scripture and so on and so forth. So again, it's a good book, um, but I, and I, and I do recommend it because I don't know of any other Christian, maybe there are, I'm sure there's other Christian books out there that talk about intimacy. Um, you know, one of the books that I shared throughout my podcast, um, Marriage God's Way, um, there was an area that talked about intimacy, and I shared that. As a matter of fact, that's what my mini-series was on. So there are Christian books or godly books that do talk about this topic, but this book is, like, completely about that. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. Maybe there are other books, but it's the only one that I have that I'm aware of, and... Yeah, I was able to glean from it, but again, I don't agree with everything. So I'm not going to read, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm not going to read the introduction or anything like that. It basically is, is um, I will say it's in alignment with what I've shared throughout my podcast in regards to marriage and the roles of a husband and a wife and just marriage defined through the scriptures. So I won't read that because I've shared that many a times throughout the five seasons that I've done. Um, so I'm going to skip that. There is a chapter in here that I do want to share that I feel will actually be really helpful um, for those of you that are experiencing issues in your area of intimacy. Now, again, many spouses are shy or embarrassed 
to talk about problems that can arise in the area of sex, even with their own spouse, because they feel ashamed or they feel like, you know, they have failed some way because they couldn't please their spouse or they're not able to please their spouse. So in today's word, and for the ending of this series, I'm going to be sharing some of the problems that the author listed in here that I'm in agreement with and I agree that everybody should be aware of this because at some point or another, couples may experience one or two of these things. Um, so my prayer for you today is that it is um, a source of encouragement, that it is helpful. And if you have any further questions, you know, please feel free to email me and I would be happy to help. Again, I know this is a sensitive topic and I know it's hard to discuss these things or to admit these things. But you know what? <clears throat> We're all brothers and sisters. We're all adults. And um, it does happen to most of us. And I think it's important that we talk about it. So um, again, I'm going to be reading from Intended for Pleasure by Dr. Ed Wheat um, and his wife. <clears throat> Her name is Gay Wheat. Uh, G-A-Y-E. And um, this book was actually written in the 70s. And it's been revised four, uh, four times. So I have the fourth edition. Uh, Dr. Edweed is no longer with us. But um, again, I feel that he did a good job writing this book. But again, I don't agree with everything in here. So I've just gleaned from it. But that's what I'm going to be reading from today. And again, it's the book that I referred in part two. And it just says on top, you know, sex technique and sexual fulfillment in Christian marriage or set apart marriage. So let me go ahead and get started. <clears throat> so this is going to be a longer um, episode, kind of like the first one that I did um, back in November. So, oops, I just turned to the wrong page. Sorry. <laughs> um, so just hang in there. I, I'm hoping that this will be helpful for all of you. So what I want to talk about today and what many couples are experiencing, no matter what your age is, no matter how long you've been married, whether you've just gotten married, whether you've been married for a few years, whether you're in your 20s, whether you're in your 30s or your 40s, um, I know that this will pertain to everybody um, for those that are experiencing issues. And to be honest with you, in my time that I've been counseling um, couples and individuals and just learning about marriage myself through the scriptures and things like that, what I'm getting ready to share with you today from this book, a lot of couples are dealing with. Um, a lot of people are having issues in the area of intimacy due to one of these problems that I'm getting ready to share um, with you. So the author titled it Hindrances to Intimacy, and he's listed quite a few. I'm hoping I'll be able to read all of them. Um, if not, then <clears throat> I may have to do one more recording. So I'll do my best to read as quickly as I can, but I don't want to sound rushed either because then it's hard to understand. <laughs> so, um, and please, again, excuse me for clearing my throat. My allergies are so bad. I always pray. I'm like, yeah, please don't let me have to like have any issues and clearing my throat. And it just, it happens. So, okay. So hindrances to intimacy. The first one is the habit of criticism. Many couples not only freely criticize each other in the hope of bringing about improvements in the other's appearance or behavior, but they also fall into the habit of unconscious criticism, constant carping on a small scale, woven into their daily conversation. This is not an environment in which intimacy can flower or flourish. Listen to yourselves. If there is habitual criticism, you can do something about it even before your partner decides a change is needed. On your part, totally refrain from criticism, no matter how much you want to retaliate. 
Instead, serve your mate PEAs. Replace those critical words with positive words of praise and encouragement and appreciation. I talked about this a lot in my podcast as well. So not only just in marriage generally to, to praise and encourage and appreciate your spouse, but also in the area of lovemaking. It can reverse the whole trend of your relationship and you will begin to see just how impo- impoverished the two of you were before. When you were unable to sit down and just enjoy talking with each other in an atmosphere of open sharing. Okay? So the next one that's mentioned that can be a hindrance in intimacy is bottled up anger and resentment. This is a huge one. I've actually heard this being quite a common one. Anger and hostility, no matter how veiled or repressed, will kill any growth of loving intimacy. Marital boredom is often the mask that hides a world of rage and resentment never openly expressed. This happens when a couple fails to resolve issues as they arise. Failure to resolve issues creates barriers that eat away at the one mind companionship that should be the foundation for the one flesh union of husband and wife. Conflict resolution requires purposeful, productive conversation in an atmosphere of acceptance and understanding. Many couples simply do not make the effort to restrain negative emotions enough to be constructive in dealing with issues that threaten to divide them. When conflicts arise, husbands and wives often react in non-productive ways. Sometimes they will opt for strained politeness, refusing to deal with the cause of tension, beginning with a silent treatment, refusing to talk at all. This reaction tapers off as conversation about other matters becomes necessary. The couple may even laugh off an outburst of emotion without taking responsibility for hurting each other. Sometimes they resume a marital front pretending that the clash never happened, but the bad feelings are still there. It's one of the worst things to do is just sweep things under the rug and act like it never happened. It's not not good. You gotta talk it out. The issue may still be there too, waiting to trouble them another day. Anyone who has answered a telephone while angry knows how easy it is to put on a happy voice while maintaining a bitter heart. They may have an emotional argument, which does represent a reaching out to the other person. The underlying desire of the two arguing is that their position will be understood and accepted by the other. Too often, the missing element is is a sincere desire to understand and accept the other person's position. Each foolishly hopes to err in an opinion without working out a solution, Proverbs 18.2. While such ventings generate more heat than light, Emotional arguments sometimes bring about a new understanding between husband and wife when they have cooled off enough to reflect on each other's comments. A rousing fight may seem better than repression of opinions and and emotions, which produces resentment leading to indifference. Indifference is the true enemy of love. Raising their voices and making monogotiable demands are ludicrously irrational. Some big words in here. and inconsiderate but at least the husband and wife are still directed towards each other the only fully effective response to conflict is purposeful productive communication the couple must agree that their purpose is not to vent emotions or opinions but to achieve a one mind agreement about how to resolve an issue then each of them will be better able to make comments and concession that will be productive in accomplishing that purpose two ground rules that that should be observed for constructive communication. Number one, an agreement that both will keep talking until they resolve the problem and understand each other. Number two, an agreement to limit the discussion to the present conflict, not bringing up past failure on either side. It's really important. 
Another thing here is I want to pause because I'm looking through here and it's not in the list that I'm going to share, but it is in the book and it's actually right before what I'm reading, but I do want to throw this in here. Other issues that couples run into is for the, for the wife, um, a lot of wives have trouble with um, orgasms, achieving orgasms, um, and, and that's actually quite common. Um, so there's an issue there, and um, the book talks about, it, I won't go into it because it's going to take time away from what I'm trying to share here, but I know it is a big issue for a lot of women, for a lot of wives out there. Um, some women have been blessed to have a natural high libido and they don't have that problem. Um, praise Yah. But some, some women have that issue and the book does address that as well. Um, as a matter of fact, when the author talks about the art of lovemaking, he really advises the husband to really be all about his wife and make sure that his wife achieves that orgasm even if he already has. So the book, and, and this is why I recommend the book because it does, like I said, I was able to glean a lot from it. Um, and it does give some really good, um, you know, advice and things like that. So I do recommend that you read it, you know, just again, glean from it, chew the meat, spit out the bones, pray about it before you read it. Um, other issues for the husband, for the men is, um, erectile dysfunction, especially as they get older or, uh, pre ejaculation. Um, and the book does again address the erectile dysfunction and it and it does address the um, pre-ejaculation issue. There's actually something that both husband and wife can do together to help the husband not to pre-ejaculate and things like that. So again, the book talks about all of that. I recommend that if that's an issue that is going on in your area of intimacy in your marriage, I would definitely get this book and read it and study it. You know, pray first, read it and study it. Um, I, again, I have found that there are some great um, resource and advice in there. So I did want to throw that in there because those are some really common issues within the area of intimacy. So if you're struggling with one of those things or all of them or whatever, get this book and it will help you. Okay. So I did want to mention that again, um, wives that have trouble with, with uh, achieving orgasm and then uh, husbands that maybe have trouble with erectile dysfunction or maybe with pre-ejaculation. So the book talks about that. And again, I'm not going to go into that because it's not in what I plan to read and I got to be careful with time. So if that's something you do want more info on and maybe you can't get the book, e send me an email and we'll discuss it. All right. So the next one is failure to communicate. There really cannot be intimacy without communication, a sharing on both verbal and nonverbal levels. One partner may actually attempt to keep the relationship superficial because he or she is afraid of intimacy, afraid of closeness developing. Most people, however, can learn to communicate with practice if they really want to. Communication requires a listening love as well as a willingness to be vulnerable, to try to put into words what one is feeling and trust those words to the partner's understanding. The next one is lack of trust in one's partner or oneself. Mutual trust is one of the essentials of intimacy. It takes time and care to build this trust, but a different problem arises when an individual does not have a good feeling about himself. This can cause fear of intimacy because intimacy is reciprocal. To be intimate is to exchange, which means that one must have something to give. A person with a low self-image may feel that he or she has nothing to give and may try to hide this fact by distancing himself or herself from family and friends or their spouse. Sometimes people shrink from deep emotional involvement because they have been hurt by close relationships. 
Often this happens when they were children and too young to understand and work out the problem. The pain that lingers from these experiences can be healed by replacing the remembered pattern of pain with a whole new pattern of pleasure and emotional closeness. This again takes time and loving patience on the part of the mate who must woo and win the other's confidence, but it can be done and must be done if the two are ever going to enjoy an intimate relationship. And I did talk about this too in one of my episodes. I actually talked about how sex can be healing. Lovemaking can be healing. Um, There have been spouses that literally are healed by these types of things because of the love and tender affection and things like that that their spouse showed to them. You know, so it's really a beautiful thing, honestly. Like, it's really incredible. So if that's something that you are having issues with, um, I would definitely pray about it. And then, you know, talk with your spouse and go from there. Okay, the next one is anxiety about one's physical appearance. I know many, many, many brothers and sisters, myself included, I was this way for a while too, where insecurities and just low self-esteem and things like that about your appearance really gets in the way of lovemaking, okay? So there is a direct correlation between a negative perception of one's body and inhibited sexual intimacy. Free sexual interaction or even the intimacy of sharing a bedroom cannot be enjoyed when a person is embarrassed about his or her body and trying to keep it covered at all times. The natural sexual responses of the body are also inhibited when a person is concentrating on his or her physical imperfections rather than erotic and pleasurable thoughts. So women, if you know, you and your husband are, you know, going at it and all you're thinking about is, oh my gosh, is he seeing this, you know, these stretch marks that I have or the cellulite that I have or what is he thinking of my breast or what is he thinking, you know, like, what are you enjoying, you know? I, I think I talked about, I can't remember if it was part two or part three that I talked about this, that, you know, I was saying to wives, wives, your husbands want to see you <laughs> nude, okay? Like, they're not going to notice all these imperfections and they're certainly not going to point them out. They're just going to be happy to see you before them nude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Men find women's bodies beautiful regardless. Um, and if they don't, then honestly, you're with the wrong person <clears throat> because the person that you has for you is going to accept you for who you are. As long as you're taking care of yourself to the best of your ability, you know, and vice versa, same for husbands, you know, wives, same thing. You know, as your husband gets older, he's going to experience changes as well, you know, but it's important that we accept one another and that's where that unconditional love comes in as well, okay? All right, so let me get back to reading here. So let's see. It is amazing but true that many people find or feel, sorry, quite unlovable just because of some aspect of their body and they are convinced their partner has the same negative feelings towards their appearance. The one thing that partner that the partner can do is communicate his or her appreciation verbally for every part of the mate's body, always praising and never tearing down. The individual with this anxiety concerning his or her appearance should look on it as a spiritual problem. Of course, if any practical improvements can be made, they should be. But the person needs to meditate on two spiritual principles. Number one, Yah has given me these attributes. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Psalm 139, 14. Therefore, I need to take the best possible care of my body and develop a positive feeling toward what Yahuwah has given me and the way he has made me. Number two, Yahuwah planned that husband and wife are to be naked and unashamed. That is something I've told couples to remember. You're supposed to be naked and unashamed in front of one another, right? As husband and wife. 
So, so, okay, let me start over. So, Yahweh planned that husband and wife are to be naked and unashamed before each other as part of the one flesh relationship. See Genesis 2, 24 and 25. Therefore, hiding my body from my mate is not scriptural. So there you go. For those of you that feel that way, myself included, this is what we need to remind ourselves, okay? Okay, spectatoring. I hope I'm saying that right. Spectatoring during lovemaking. This is the next one. So spectatoring is a therapist term for apprehensively observing one's own behavior during lovemaking because one is so anxious about performing well sexually. I know a lot of men have this problem. A lot of men struggle. So the, the, the one I talked about before, the anxiety about one's physical appearance usually is more about wives. This one here with the performance, a lot of husbands um, struggle with. It says, this can be remedied as an understanding partner helps the person turn his or her attention to sensual feelings and the pleasure of non-demand physical caressing. Because intimacy is a mutual experience of sharing, it is difficult to enter into the enjoyment of it when you are self-preoccupied. Switching your attention to pleasuring your partner and enjoying the way your partner pleasures you will build intimacy and do away with anxious self-consciousness. The next one is de-emphasizing the value of sex. The sexual relationship within marriage is one of the most profound, <clears throat> excuse me, profound, rewarding, and mysterious of all experiences. But strangely, some people think of sex as an immaturity that should be outgrown, or they might think of it as inappropriate, like what I was talking about in the beginning of the episode. In some marriages, one or both partners may consciously de-emphasize its value and turn their attention elsewhere. This is, of course, devastating to the rich, sexually diminished intimacy that Yahuwah planned for husband and wife. Okay, the next one is predictable mechanical sex. An emotionally enriching intimacy is always a sign of life. Sex that is as routine as brushing one's teeth and as mechanical as mailing a letter is a sign of a dying relationship. It may be revived by emotional preparation for physical sex, by varying times and places and approaches for sex, and by emphasizing tenderness and, and sensuousness rather than a technique that is goal-oriented to, to a quick orgasm. A man can have sexual experience that lasts a scant two minutes, but this would be cheating both himself and his wife. So I want to make a couple comments on this. So this often happens when a couple is trying to conceive. They've, they've made having sex like this thing that you have to do, like, oh, we got to do this now because if not, we may not be able to conceive. You know, like you take the fun out of it. Um, also, people that just, there's no creativity. There's no, um, what's what I'm looking for? Spontaneity. <laughs> I'm getting tongue-tied. I'm sorry. You know, you got to be spontaneous and just get creative like I was talking about in part two and part three. You know, I had suggested in part three, you know, set an alarm for a crazy time in the middle of the night or really early in the morning, you know. Experience with different positions, you know. It doesn't always have to be the same position. Um, make love in different places of your home, right? Go on a small vacation that doesn't cost much. Go on a weekend getaway, right? And, you know, explore one another and just do different things. Try some intimacy games. I um, had recommended that in part two. You know, there's ways to spice it up so that it's not predictable and it's not mechanical, as the book is saying. So, unfortunately, a lot of couples end up in this rut, especially if you've been married for several, several years or more. You got to spice it up and, and get creative, okay? All right, so the next one is lack of sensitivity. 
Intimacy grows as we show our sensitivity to our partner's needs. An insensitive, or I'm sorry, an insensitivity to needs and desires, particular, <clears throat> excuse me, particularly in the sexual relationship, can be quite detrimental to the, de the development of intimacy. One traditional example often cited is the husband who demands sex right after an unresolved argument with the children playing in the next room and a neighbor at the front door, or the wife who interrupts her husband's impassioned lovemaking to go take meat out of the freezer or check on a sleeping child. Therapists call behavior that hinders a satisfying sexual experience sexual sabotage. If you want to develop intimacy, you will pour yourself into understanding your partner's needs and meeting them in sensitive, loving ways. So wives, don't push away your husbands when they're trying to initiate. But husbands, don't force it either when it's not the right timing. You know, there are other things that are going on that, you know, it's just not good timing at the moment. So be considerate of one another and be sensitive to one another's needs. The next one is absence of non-sexual physical touching. To enjoy intimacy with your mate is to be in touch. This means physical touch as well as the ways you touch emotionally, intellectually, and spiritually. You know, very, very important. I, I always say if you can afterwards, if you have time, pillow talk. That's where you have really profound conversations, you know, um, and you just kind of get to learn your spouse more and more. I think that's really important. He goes on to say, I have observed that married people need physical touching of an affectionate, non-sexual nature to retain the feeling of being in love. So, got you know, hugs, um, holding hands, you know, wrapping your arms around your spouse, kissing. Kissing is very intimate and very important. So he goes on to say, um, let's see here. Emotional sexual intimacy cannot grow unless you touch often, gently, sensitively, freely, without fear of rebuff or misunderstanding. Intimacy requires cuddling, snuggling, sitting close to each other, holding hands, and kissing as a part of your daily life. Too often after marriage, couples use touch only as a sexual signal, but this should not be. Sex cannot be expected to meet all your needs for physical contact and affection. To build intimacy, you must keep in touch every day. Okay, the next one, media distractions. Boy, is this not an issue nowadays. <laughs> Media watching may seem less significant than other factors we have mentioned. However, which again, in, in these days, remember this book was written a long time ago. These days it is a huge thing. However, it promotes passivity. People wrapped up in electronic media has, has neither the motivation nor the energy to, to develop an intimate relationship. Media can become so hypnotic that one does not realize how much time is being taken away from companionship with one's spouse. Before I read on, I do want to share this. I've said this before. I can't remember what episode. If you or your spouse have a social media platform, like let's just say Facebook, right? Because that was the only one I had. And right now it's deactivated. Say you and your spouse, before you come together, you each had an account, okay? When you marry, I highly suggest that you both delete those accounts and you create one together, okay? So for example, say the, the you know, the couple is John and Sally. So create a page and it says John and Sally Smith, you know, and that's your page. You know what I mean? That way it, it avoids a lot of things. Um, also limit your time on the phone, you know, especially if husband, you work all day long and you come home, the first thing you do is hop on your phone to check out Facebook or whatever. That's not good. Your wife should be a priority and your kids, if you have kids. 
right save that for every now and then or, you know do it together if you guys have again you create an account together go on together maybe that's your way of staying in touch with family or friends that that are um, long distant you know things like that but don't make it something that you're doing every single day instead of connecting with your spouse okay this can turn into a source of real friction one partner stays up to watch late night programs or to finish a computer game and then expects the other to still be alert and ready for lovemaking when he or she comes to bed. Sometimes the television or computer is used deliberately as a means of avoiding sex. So weigh your priorities and decide which you would rather have, a life spent passively starting or staring into a screen or an intimate relationship with your marriage partner. Now again, please understand, I did receive an email um, this person clearly is in a counterfeit relationship. So these things don't count because you're going to experience the opposite of all these things at some point, even if the foundation of that counterfeit relationship was sex. Okay. Eventually you're going to come to a place where no longer these things are going to be, you know what I mean? So again, I'm sharing all this with, in the context of a YAH ordained marriage, not a counterfeit relationship, not anything you put together yourself or anything like that. I just feel the need to say that. <laughs> okay. Let me continue on. The problem is compounding, of course, if the content of one's media interaction is sexual. Internet pornography gives the illusion of intimate physical experience, while in, rea in reality, it is immoral of sexual access and perversion. Up to this point, you and your partner may have developed no more than a fraction of the intimacy you both are capable of. Use the spiritual dynamic of hope and look on your untapped potential for warmth caring and tender sharing as an area where you can grow together as you consciously seek to build a lasting intimacy. The kind of growth does not happen quickly but gradually, the way people themselves grow, and you will find as you make progress that coming to know a loved one intimately is never boring. The rewards will speak for themselves. Praise yeah. Alright, next one, prescription for intimacy. We could give you endless lists of suggestions for building sexual intimacy in your marriage, but we are going to to prescribe only three things. These are broad guidelines that reflect what therapists call the three functioning aspects of human intimacy, which are love, sense, sensuousness, and sexuality. The first guideline has to do with love, for that is the only way to build trust. Okay, the next one is establish, establish mutual trust. You cannot build intimacy when you are trying to protect or defend yourselves. You cannot build intimacy when you are afraid of exposing your needs and frailties. You cannot build intimacy unless you feel safer with your partner, both emotionally and physically, than with anyone else in the world. I've talked about that before. Intimacy grows only in a place of safety. Because human behavior is organized around the seeking of pleasure and the avoidance of pain, you must treat your partner in such a way that he or she will always identify you with pleasure, not with emotional pain. When husband and wife are afraid of hurt, rebuff, criticism, or misunderstanding from each other, they will find it difficult to touch affectionately or share freely. Yah's word shows how to establish the trust that builds intimacy in two concise statements. Number one, love covers a multitude of sins, 1 Peter 4, 8. Number two, love builds up, 1 Corinthians 8, 1. In other words, number one, overlook mistakes and never criticize. Number two, always encourage and give your partner the precious gift of sympathetic understanding. Yes, very important because we are going to make mistakes. Okay, criticism can be the deft blow to love and intimacy. It never changes anyone for the better. It only succeeds in putting miles of emotional distance between a husband and wife who are longing inwardly for closeness. Praise, on the other hand, has power to enhance the relationship 
while strengthening and inspiring the individual to higher attainments. To give your partner unconditional love, that love we call agape, I've talked about that in my in my first season of this uh, podcast, is the very best way to win his or her trust. If you want to find out how to love unconditionally, please read chapter 10. Okay, the next one is learn to enjoy sensuousness. I had never heard of that word till now. <laughs> Sensuousness is defined by therapists as the need to be held, fondled, caressed, and touched. Who doesn't want that, right? It should not be confused with sensuality, which is a preoccupation with the physical as opposed to the intellectual and spiritual. We are speaking simply of the importance of touch as a means of meeting a human being's need, deep needs, and as an essential way of developing intimacy in the marriage. In Love Life, we have given 25 suggestions for non-sexual touching, which any husband and wife would do well to put into practice. Some individuals are hungry for more touching and will gladly have sex, just to be held and caressed. Others do not understand what their true need is, and they may try to use sex as a substitute for sensitive, affectionate, physical fondling, and closeness. Then there are those who believe they are just not affectionate. These must learn to enjoy sensuousness through the loving, patient persistence of the partner and the practice of non-sexual physical touching. Sensuousness is also important in the enjoyment of sex. Almost every square inch of the human body has the ability to become erotic and partners should use their hands and fingers to touch, stroke, massage, and caress all parts of their mate's body. Exploring every part of the body with loving hands, including tracing the beloved's face in the dark, with sensitive fingers will increase the sense of intimacy. Yeah, I think that's one of the most intimate things like ever and very romantic. Prolonged kissing is healthy as well as pleasurable, unleashing chemicals that ease stress hormones and also transforming benign bacteria that keep each other healthy. It is therefore no wonder that over 90% of societies practice kissing. As sensuousness is learned, the husband may discover that sex can be much more leisurely than he imagined, and that being sexually passive occasionally can be very enjoyable, as his wife caresses him in ways she has discovered will please him. Sensuousness requires the capacity to enjoy tenderness, and the man who has taught of feelings, who has taught of feelings and of tenderness, as somehow feminine, will have much more to learn, experience the suspect of intimacy. Yeah. So wise, for example, if your husband had a really bad day at work and he comes home tired, stressed out, number one, I always say, if he wants to talk about it, give, give him your undivided attention. The next thing is, while some husbands may want to resort to lovemaking at some point, I highly recommend this first. Believe it or not, no matter how tough your man may seem, no matter how alpha male he is, no matter, you know, how manly he is or whatever, every man, I guarantee you, every husband would love to just be in their wife's arms, just laying there with their head against your breasts and just feeling loved, you know, hold him. There's not, I know that people are like, oh, husbands usually hold their wives and whatever, but wives can also hold their husbands. There is nothing wrong with that. And men love it. They actually turn into like little boys when this happens. And I think that's really cute. Um, but they love being held. They love being nurtured to a point. I'm not saying be his mom, but they love being nurtured. They love being caressed, you know, uh, caress their hair, you know, um, rub their back softly, you know, or massage their shoulders or, I mean, there's so many things to just show your man that love. And I guarantee you that will melt away their, their entire day of stress that they had kissing, you know, and just whispering things to him and just things like that. And that's not even like, 
you're not even making love you know it's it's a part of intimacy but you're not actually doing the act but believe it or not that alone will help out tremendously so wives give it a try with your husbands it doesn't always have to be the husband to always initiate i talked about this and i can't remember if it's part two or part three you know it doesn't always have to be the husbands that take the lead and initiate wives you can do that as well and trust me your husband will be so glad that you did he will absolutely go crazy and appreciate it okay all right so here's the last one praise y'all i'm doing good on time relate sexually as lovers after sex most men want reassurance that they have been good lovers and most women want reassurance that their husband has been pleased enchanted and satisfied but research indicates that a great many people just turn over and go to sleep without saying much of anything. Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just make a comment about this. A lot of people get offended when their spouse like rolls over and goes to sleep. This doesn't mean it was bad, okay? I, I mean, I think they're ab it shouldn't be that way all the time. Unless you're absolutely exhausted, I get it. It happens, right? Lovemaking can be exhausting, especially if you've already, you retired beforehand, you had a long day. Especially for husbands, they go out, they work all day. And you know, women too, they do a lot in the home as well, or if you work too. Um, I can understand falling asleep. Try not to do it all the time. Let there be pillow talk, let there be cuddling, things like that. However, what I'm trying to say is, just because your spouse rolls over and goes to sleep, doesn't, don't take it offensively. It doesn't mean it wasn't good or whatever. He's just tired, and which is a good sign. That means you wore him out, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's a good sign. So I, I often hear couples take this as a negative. They're like, oh, you know, he's going to sleep right after whatever. I can understand if it's every single time. You want to share, you want to just kind of bask in the after, the, not aftermath, but you know, just after that and, you know, talk, pillow talk or whatever. Um, so I understand not wanting that to happen all the time, but don't take it the wrong way if your spouse does. It just means that it was really good and you're spent and <laughs> now you need a rest. Um, I, you know, people do that where they rest and they get up a couple of hours later and they go for round two. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, don't, t my point is don't take it the wrong way, but I also understand not wanting that to happen all the time, but it's not a bad thing. Okay. If you want to build intimacy, you will need to begin to relate to each other sexually as lovers, not as disgruntled moms and dads who occasionally have sex because it's a habit or a duty. So for those of you that have children, what are some of the characteristics of sex between marriage partners who are lovers? First of all, when they have sex, they are often reenacting the time when they first fell in love, the drama of the courtship, and this recalls the freshness of youth. These feelings can be recaptured each time they shut out the world to come together sexually. The husband can experience the thrill of conquest whenever he makes love to his wife, and she can glory in his pursuit, and he can savor her melting response. Because the husband is a lover, he shows capacity for tenderness and caring, and the ability to express his feelings without embarrassment. Along with masculine characteristics, sorry, I'm just checking the time here. Okay, I'm doing okay on time, okay. Um, along with masculine characteristics that pleases his wife, such as confidence and strength, the wife responds in turn. She is thrilled by his slow, sensual approach and by a romantic atmosphere, and she lets him know it. Husbands, if I have any husbands listening, any men listening, please don't always make the lovemaking this like fast wham bam thing, okay? Um, let it be slow and sensuous, you know, that's what lovemaking is. Take your time. Um, and for many men, again, I mentioned earlier, many men are worried about, you know, ejaculating too quickly you know so again take things slow the whole idea when you make love 
is that you are pleasing one another so the husband is pleased and the wife is pleased so you know I get it there will be times and that's fine again variety variety is important there will be times where it's a quickie or you know it's just one of those where you want to kind of get rough and and things like that there's nothing wrong with that as long as you both agree and you don't hurt one another and you're respectful um but another times i really encourage to really make it slow you know foreplay or oral is very important in the beginning just take your time to explore one another get to know one another and just really take it slow um don't always just you know go quickly at it and, and i understand sometimes it can be that way try to slow it down here and there okay all right so lovers lovers avoid dull routine in their sex play they practice variety variations in time or setting variations in love play so everything i talked about before variations in frequency position and mood sometimes their sex is fun sometimes it is intensely passionate okay i mean like i was saying Sometimes it's going to be really, really passionate, really intense to where it could be faster, or it could be slower. Um, the idea is to just have a variety. Experience all of it. Experience all of it. You're free to do so with your spouse. How amazing is that? Experience all of it. <laughs> Absolutely. Unless there's something medically or physically wrong with one of you that it would limit you, do it. You know, like, Absolutely. So he says, sometimes it is intensely passionate, sometimes it is leisurely and tender. Vari or, yeah, variety is the spice of lovemaking. So what I said in all through my episodes, okay? It is confirmed here. <laughs> Lovers enjoy each other as man and woman. They spend time together, pre-foreplay time, talking, or sorry, not talking, taking walks, or perhaps just talking in front of a fire in the fireplace when they can be alone, or again, pillow talk. They can go away together for a night or a weekend or a few days to refresh themselves and renew their relationship. Also mentioned that before. Lovers learn to sub subtly or directly communicate their desires hours beforehand to give both time to prepare emotionally, to look forward to the experience, and to fill their minds with exciting ideas of how to make the lovemaking experience more beautiful and long. So make plans. If your husband's at work, you know, husbands, you know, reach out to your wife, call her or text her, hey, you know, I can't wait to get home, be ready, you know, um, you know, we're going to have some fun or we're going to make love all night or we're going to, you know, whatever. Um, wives, same thing. Like I said, don't be shy. Take the initiative every now and then. Reach out to your husband. Let him know, hey, um, I'm making your favorite dinner. Um, we're going to have a candlelight dinner. And then afterwards, you know, you know, the sky's the limit. Okay. All right. So um, let's see. So look forward to the experience and to fill their minds with exciting ideas of how to make the lovemaking experience more beautiful and prolonged. After the climax, when both have been satisfied, lovers want to remain close to each other with lots of gentle stroking, murmuring, kisses, and embracing. So, you know, don't always be so quick to get up and go, you know, take a shower or something like that. Again, try to just lay there afterwards and just cuddle with one another, hold one another. Again, pillow talk you know, things like that, or even just later quietly, just holding one another. Don't always be so quick to get up and go take a shower, or go eat something or go, you know what I mean? Like try to really just bask in, you know, I don't want to say aftermath. I, f I feel like that, that isn't right, but you know what I mean? Anyways, um, they sometimes want to maintain, to maintain the warm glow with the conversation of a special nature. Nothing mundane is allowed. No talk of home repairs or money problems or, or Johnny's bad report card. So, you know, 
focus on one another. You know, don't talk about everyday stressors and life and all those kinds of things. Try to make it about the two of you. And the relaxed afterglow, eh, there you go, afterglow. <laughs> I was trying to think of, I'm like, aftermath is not the right word. I feel like that's more for like negative things. <laughs> Okay, so in the relaxed afterglow of lovemaking, while still in each other's arms, they want to talk about each other, perhaps the history of their love affair, or even what you've just done. You know, talk about how much you liked it or enjoyed it or, or how much you loved them, you know, things like that. They may share conversation that is intimate or especially uplifting, perhaps expressing dreams and goals they would mention at no other time. Like I said, pillow talk seems to be the grounds for like really in-depth talk. I don't know why that is, but that seems to be when spouses just sh like share and bear all. It's really special. Is it a time? It is a time for private laughter and always for complimenting each other as lovers, thanking the other for the beautiful experience and perhaps praying together before they fall asleep with gratitude for the way that Yah has blessed them even in their lovemaking. I talked about this in part, I think it was two or three, I can't remember which one it was. Prayer is important. Pray before you make love. Pray and ask y'all to bless your time together as husband and wife. Pray afterwards and thank him, like the author just said. I've had some people say, oh, but it's awkward to pray about those kinds of things. Why would it be awkward when he created it? Like, this is his gift to a marriage union. So yes, absolutely. Pray. Pray together. Let me tell you something. Praying together as husband and wife is one of the most intimate things you can do as well. You want to talk about intimacy? And I can't believe I didn't mention this before. Praying together is one of the most intimate things that you can do together as husband and wife. Praying for one another and praying together. Wow. Yeah. Let me let me not even talk further about it. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm sorry. All right. So for the set-apart couple, it says Christian, but I'll say set-apart. Sexual intimacy always has spiritual dimensions as unity with the beloved with the beloved is experienced and the two reach the highest possible degree of closeness physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. For this couple, there is no sadness after intercourse, but two hearts singing as one with joy and praise. Praise, yeah, hallelujah. It is our prayer that you will experience the pleasure of sexual intimacy in your own marriage. And that is everything. Praise, yeah, I did good on time. <laughs> Yay. So, yeah, this book, honestly, is really... Well, you know what? I still have time. Maybe I can... Because I was talking about the... Um, the other issues of not achieving orgasm and um, erectile dysfunction. So listen, for men, for erectile dysfunction, you might have to resort to a medication, but I'm going to be honest with you. There are natural ways. And if you want more information, uh, just send me an email. There are natural ways to, to cure that, to help it along. Um, a lot of it is mental, to be honest with you. A lot of it has to do with your thought process and things like that. Um, if it is a physical condition, you might have to see a doctor, you might have to take a prescription, but there are natural ways to take care of that. When it comes to, uh, for women, for achieving orgasm, um, listen, also same thing. There are a lot of natural ways to address that. Um, husbands understand that some wives just take longer to get there. Some wives have a high libido and they can achieve an orgasm four times before you've even had your first orgasm. Some women are like that. But for some women it, women, it takes them longer. So the simple cure to that is just making sure you you tend to your wife's needs for however long it takes. And I know for some husbands that might be frustrating if it takes 30 minutes or longer. But that's a part of the giving, right? That's, that's a part of making sure that you please your wife. 
Uh, but for women, I just, you know, find, tell your husband certain things that help you to feel turned on and things like that. Focus on those things. Um, for men with that have the issue of pre-ejaculation, there's actually a section in the book. There's actually a certain position that you can do and um, or not position, but it's like this this practice that you can do. And so what it is is um, the wife sits up against the headboard or, or whatever and the husband lays down with his feet towards the wife in between uh, the wife's legs and um, there's this practice that you do that wives you stimulate your husband and when the husband feels that he's getting ready to you know have that pre-ejaculation he lets his wife know and what the wife does is she gently but firm enough squeezes his his penis um, and so you're supposed to actually do that over and over it's like it trains um, him to not you know pre-ejaculate so quickly so anyways it's in the book I'm not explaining it very well <laughs> um, I'm not reading it because I'm running out of time but um, you know I feel that that's an important thing and if that's an, an issue that you're experiencing you know again the book is good I don't agree with everything there are some things in this book that I just absolutely don't agree with I don't feel it aligns with scripture um, and can probably even confuse people but there are some good things to glean from. What I just shared in today's word was one of them. Um, what I just shared about the tips about helping the husband uh, with other disorders and things like that. Um, I agree with all of that. How to make love slowly and just make sure that both husband and wife are going to lengths to make sure that the other is pleased. All those things I agree with. and. Um, I feel that a lot of couples can take from that. So again, if you are interested in the book, it's called Intended for Pleasure by Ed Wheat. Um, this was gifted to me, but I know you can get it off of Amazon and probably anywhere else. You can probably even find it in your local thrift store, things like that. Um, again, it was, it was published in the 70s, but it's been revised quite a few times. So mine is the fourth edition. Um, that's probably the most recent one. So if you're interested in that, um, go ahead and get it. It's not too expensive. Um, but yeah, if you have any questions, just please reach out. I pray and hope that this was a source of encouragement, that it was helpful and a blessing to those who are in their marriages, or even if you're getting ready for your marriage, um, that, you know, you're able to take from this, you're able to glean from it, you know, chew the meat, spit out the bones, and that it is helpful, whether you're experiencing issues now, or you might experience down the road again. Majority of what I read, many of us have experienced at least once, you know, so or at least have one of those problems going on that could affect the area of lovemaking. So, all right, that is it for this series, the Marriage Bed series, which, praise y'all, that was just a complete spontaneous thing. Again, I pray it's been a source of encouragement and helpful for you. Um, be on the lookout because I have one more bonus episode that I will be doing, and then I believe that will be it for a time because uh, the month of July is going to be a very busy month, and there's a lot that I need to focus on. So... Be on the lookout for that. Um, I'm waiting for the book to come in. And once that book comes in, I will be sharing from that book. It's going to kind of be like a wrap up. Um, it's just going to kind of end the podcast with everything that I've shared throughout all five seasons of just talking about marriage, marriage, you know, Yah's way. So be on the lookout for that. Um, that'll probably be an hour episode. And I think it'll be a real treat for those that are interested. So yeah, anyways, enjoy the rest of your Sabbath. I pray that it's a restful one and a blessed one. And thank you all so much for your support and for listening. I love you all. And I'll talk with you in the next episode to come. Shalom.